0: Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All righty, here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. And today... We have one hell of a BS session. We are going to be talking with Jules McQueen. Now, if you don't know who she is, uh, you probably have never watched the outdoor channel, or you have probably never watched the sportsman's channel, or you're, you've never been on the internet, or you don't have Instagram, or you don't have Facebook. So uh, you, you're probably living under a rock. Now she is a hardcore hunter, just like the rest of us. And uh, today we are going to BS with her about just about everything, from her first ever deer hunt, resulting in a kill when she was 17 years old, and she did it solo, to hunting solo right now, to traveling the world, or the world, or or the country. 3 months out of the year and going out on these big excursions and not coming home living out of her car uh, as well as, you know, a little bit of industry talk, you know, how she got into the industry, what she has done over the years to kind of make a name for herself and little little did I know, and I just I just found this out recently, she used to be a professional poker player and she's not anymore. So she she was a, in the hunting industry, went to play uh professional poker. Then she decided to get out of professional poker and go back into the hunting industry. So it it just that intrigues me and that's what we talk about a little bit of everything today and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Now before we actually get into the podcast, Ozonix has one hell of a deal going on right now. You can if you buy an HR 230 right now. All you have to do is go to Ozonics website and buy an HR 230. With that purchase, just by buying it, they will add a free XL battery and a free protective skin. To that order, so the only thing you have to do is add the HR 230 to the cart, then you will uh, get a free XL battery and a free protective cover. I think they call it a skin, and the discount code that you need to enter is Jolly18 J-O-L-L-Y-18. And uh man, that's getting a free XL battery is a game changer. Trust me, I use the XL batteries every hunt and uh your hunts now go when you're running it on boost mode like i do almost every hunt uh, you're looking at from four hours to about eight hours and then if you have two batteries then you can uh, cycle them in with each other and uh, you can run one in your car which i wouldn't recommend but i do it sometimes especially when i'm not in it or uh, out of a dry wash bag so um yeah take a take uh take advantage of that uh, discount code, so enough with a horn out let's get into today's b s session hunter profile podcast with Jules McQueen. All right, on the phone with me right now, miss Julie McQueen or jules McQueen. I'm sorry, how are you today <laughs>
1: Julie Jules, it's all the same to me. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'd like to say that was the first time I've ever messed up a name, but I I, I do it almost every single show.
1: Well, you know, I, I always say I like to confuse people, so I have two different first names. But really, I mean my name's Julie, but everybody calls me Jules. That's Jules. kind of what I've started going by professionally anyways.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Jules. All right.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, let's start BSing a little bit. How how has your season been so far?
1: Uh, my season has been fun. Um, it has not been the most productive season that I've ever had, but it has been one of the most fun that I've ever had. So I guess that counts for something. Right. Uh, I had a very busy season. I had a lot of tags in my pocket. Um, I did well in the early season. I had the Utah early season uh, mule deer tag, and um, I went with R&K Hunting, Um, my good friend uh, Justin Richens over there, and I actually um, tagged my first ever full velvet mule deer, so that was awesome. That's a good way to kick off the season, right? Right, right. Um, Yes, yeah, and after that, I I had some great hunts. I had a lot of, um, you know, success in different ways, but it was tough, you know? I, I don't know if I'm the only one who had a tough season, but man, I just... You know, I hit the, most of my elk hunts, I hit about a week to two weeks too early. Um, That's a tough one. You know, you plan them out so far in advance. You just don't know uh, what's going to happen with, you know, the weather and the timing. And I went about a week early on two of them. And then another one, you know, a week or two early on that one too. So um, yeah, it was tough. It was, it was a tough season, but it was a good season. I can't complain.
0: So on this, this mule deer hunt. Um, was it like a a spotting stock or were you using a rifle? What was the situation there?
1: Yeah, it was an archery hunt. So uh, it was the early season archery hunt in Utah. And, um, you know, and it makes it tough. You know, the deer are not rutting or anything at that point. So you just kind of have to chase them around a little bit. and, And I had quite a few stalks that were unsuccessful. It took me four days to fill that tag and uh, another cool cool little thing on that hunt it was the first year that i've ever killed without my boots on so that was kind of (laughs) nice i took my shoes off to be a little more quiet because the ground was so crunchy and good thing i had on some thick wool socks because you know the stickers and the you know the sharp rocks and stuff Um, but but it all worked out well i ended up running down a cattle trail and you know i always say i'd rather be lucky than good and man did i get lucky that day that deer just he happened to be walking down the wrong trail at the wrong time and crossed paths with me at 40 yards and i'm you know just happened to make a perfect shot quartering away easy recovery he was right there he didn't go far and you know just one of those dream hunts where you know the that that company rnk is known for You know, amazing animals and great hunts. And it was a dream of mine to go hunt with them. So I'm forever grateful that they brought me in and let me do that. But, you know, the deer is beautiful. And um, I actually had that deer processed and I gave it to my brother and his family for Christmas. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And it's going to feed them for a while. He's got three kiddos. So, you know, they just absolutely love wild game. So I feel good about that. They send me a lot of kid pictures eating, you know, the deer that I got in
0: Utah. Awesome. Awesome. So that your elk season sounds a lot like, uh, my elk season and everybody else's elk season that I talked to where (laughs) like we went out, we went out the first week of September and we ran into some bugles on the first two or three days. We had a, we had a successful stock with a bad hit and weren't able to, uh, uh, find or or kill the elk, but then something happened and it just shut off. No more bugles, right? And we just yeah. basically did a lot of hiking.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, going for a lot of long walks in beautiful locations. That sounds a lot like my elk season. Yeah, but you know, I just I wouldn't trade it. You know, right. I I really love that time of year, and and I did, um you know, Idaho and um Colorado. I had two different tags in Colorado, one in Idaho. And it was beautiful, you know you you time it right and you're there for the changing colors and the leaves and it's just it's just beautiful and I wouldn't trade it. It's a lot of work, it's kind of kind of tough, but totally worth it, and I'll probably do the exact same thing next year and probably go a week too early once again.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. um I don't know where where are you from originally? what part of the country?
1: I'm from Oklahoma originally. Okay. I lived there until uh, I think I was 17 when I moved away from Oklahoma, ended up in Missouri after that, and then all over the country from that point.
0: Okay, so I, yeah. I, I even talked to um, the last guy who was on the podcast, and we talked about how, and this is kind of going back to the elk hunt, where I I honestly didn't care if I saw an elk at all because I was just in awe coming from Iowa myself where it's Uh it's relatively flat compared to you know out there and I just I just looked up the entire time and loved the the scenery was like that I didn't I didn't even draw my bow back but I went away Mm -hmm. from that hunt with a huge as it as a huge success, because of just the experience,
1: yes, yeah, that's that's part of the deal. You know we um we put a lot of uh, focus on tagging an animal or having a successful hunt. But you know, a lot of my favorite memories are just those long, unsuccessful walks that we take through the woods. right. And you know we get to see some of the most beautiful parts of the country while we're on foot, you know, while we're usually with people we love, you know, hiking around and having a good time. And, you know, and hopefully that's what people really take with them from those trips. I know, you know, I have um, every, every big game season, I hold a lot of tags. I spend a lot of time in the field and, you know, I've always been very open publicly about the fact that I'm not the most successful. (laughs) I did not, I did not build my career by, you know, shooting a bunch of animals or a bunch of big animals. I have built my career on just absolutely loving the outdoors and yes. loving the whole process of it. And I'm pretty proud of that. I'm not known for, you know, filling all my tags and, Oh, I've never left a mountain without my animal or anything like that. Not even close. No, I just love the process.
0: Yeah. And, uh, for those people who judge, just <laughs> judge hunting success, Uh, or just life success based off of possessions and what you're able to actually take away man they're missing the boat Uh
1: man I know right yeah and that's why when people ask me how my season was you know even with all my you know quite a few unfilled tags for the season I can honestly say I think it might be my favorite year ever
0: awesome so after your elk hunts were kind of a bust what did you do from then
1: well, I had a few other hunts after that. Um, some really fun ones. Um, one of my favorites was um I planned a, a hunt in South Dakota like I do every year with a good friend of mine. He's an outfitter there. Um, his name is Jared Henho Enhoffer and he's with um uh Outfold outfitters. And, you know, we just have such a great time. But last year I got really close. They've got a great deer population. Um You know, South Dakota is just beautiful. You don't think of it as being these amazing, beautiful, you know, rolling hills and breaks by the river. But I had so much fun last year. I invited my best friend, Jana, Jana Waller, to um, go with me. So Jana and Jim came to South Dakota. We chased a bunch of deer around. Jana killed a nice deer. Jim killed a nice whitey. It was just so much fun. You know, there's nothing better than meeting up with your friends and in different places and and doing stuff like that, so had a few had a few deer hunts, um, you know, that were really fun and nice, and um, just a typical big game season. I, I did some pheasant hunting, you know, not big game. I mixed a little bit of birds in there with it, um, so that was fun. Uh, first animal,
0: a, first animal I ever killed, uh, like my very first, I guess you would say, aside from trapping, uh, mm-hmm. the very first animal I ever killed when I went on a hunt was a pheasant Uh so oh
1: that's so cool
0: dude I I love it I wish I could do it more but the pheasant population in Iowa kind of took a shit recently and um yes uh I I want to be able to do it again that's all I'll say
1: yeah oh yeah no it's a lot of fun I actually really enjoy that and I like to mix it in to my big game season it kind of you know it's a little more relaxed you can go and you know walk and shoot some birds and you know, I just, I really love wing shooting. I love pheasant hunting and quail hunting and duck hunting. I love all of those things, too. It's just, you know, a matter of um, time. Right. <laughs> I wish I had more time to do those things and mix those in.
0: Right. All right. So So now I want to pivot, and I want to okay. go back as far as you can remember to... Like, did you come from an outdoor family? When did you start really getting into the outdoors?
1: Well, no, I did not come from a hunting family. Um, I come from a family that did like the outdoors. We went camping now and then. Um, I can remember fishing once or twice when I was a little kid, Um, but not a hunting family. And that was a personal choice. I got into hunting on my own when I was around 17 or 18 and you know back then it was different not that i'm trying to age myself but you know we didn't really have access on the internet like we do now so you know i learned all about hunting from going to the bookstore and getting books and magazines and reading as much as i could find and um you know you think you know a lot about a topic after you've read about it but it's not until you get into the field and make the mistakes and have those experiences and really learn from doing things wrong for a while. And then you figure out exactly what it's all about. So my first deer hunt, um, I went by myself. i had never been hunting. I borrowed a rifle. I asked for permission on a piece of property and, you know, I, I shot my first deer that way. And, you know, I was by myself and had no idea what to do, but you know, that's kind of a cool learning experience.
0: Absolutely. And that's, that's something really awesome because, and I don't think this really matters one way or the other, but from a, from a female doing that, right. That's a big, mm-hmm. that's a big thing, you know, I, yeah. cause I, I someday I, I have a daughter and I want her to be, mm-hmm. be able to be comfortable to do that as well. So when I hear you say, you know, I did the studying by myself, I went out by myself, got permission by myself, borrowed a gun, killed a deer by myself like without any real help. Like that's, that's something, that's a message that I think a lot of women need to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've used my platform in this industry to really preach about that now and then, um, you know, I really do believe that anybody can do anything they want to do. You just have to put your mind to it. And I decided when I was, you know, in my late teens, 17, 18, that I wanted to be a hunter. And even though no one else in my family was, no one had ever taken me hunting. You know, I just believed that if that's what I wanted to do, then I could do it. And, you know, I mean, I made some mistakes. I didn't like that first year that I shot. I didn't ever think about the fact that I couldn't pick it up by myself. <laughs> you know, Nobody <laughs> ever really told me that. And so then I walked up to it and it was a really nice buck to this day. It still remains the oldest deer I've ever shot. And, you know, I just got lucky that a really old, old buck, beautiful big buck walked by. I was going to shoot the first thing that walked in front of me anyways. It was my first hunt. And, um, but no one had ever told me, you can't lift that into the back of your truck by yourself, you know? (laughs) So, you know, you have to phone a friend and, and you learn from those those experiences. But I do believe that, you know, anybody can do whatever they want. And so when I give seminars or speeches or try to encourage our younger generation, that's a big part of my message because, you know, I've kind of proven that you can kind of do whatever you want.
0: Right. So going back that far, you know, and like you said, books and magazines you know, they don't, they're, they're a good starting point, but they're not a substitution for the real thing. Aside from, you know, going out solo, did you have like a family friend or someone who was a mentor to you in those early years?
1: Um, a little bit, you know, I found some other people who did like hunting. There were no other girls. Um, you know, so it was some guys, you know, some friends, they like to hunt too, but mainly, you know, it was just me. And, you know, throughout the years after that, I would be, you know, maybe in a relationship with someone who also liked to hunt, but starting off, no, you know, it was kind of just a learn on your own type of deal. And, you know, especially with girlfriends, I, you know, I didn't know any other female that even liked to do anything like that. Um, you know, so when I started working in this industry, there were no other girls, I would show up to events or store openings. And I was, you know, working as promotional staff for some companies. And and this is 15, 16 years ago, if you think about it, a long time ago, way back before social media, you know, back then you had to really know your stuff. You had to actually know the product, you had to use the product, you had to, it was a legitimate promotional staff. So, um, you know, I didn't know any any other girls who were doing that at the time. And, um, you know, that's why, that's my exact reason why, when I have girls, you know, through social media or whatever reach out to me now, I help them as much as I can because I wish somebody had done that for me. So whenever anybody reaches out to me, I really feel strongly that it's my duty to help them or to encourage them and, you know, have them come take my job. I want more girls in this industry.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So when you went out and you killed that very first buck, did you instantly like dive off the deep end? Because for, for me, when I started hunting, I didn't really take it like it w- didn't become a passion until I was about 26 years old. Like I hunted, I did some bow hunting, I did some trapping, I did, you know, all these other things. I did some fishing and, you know, I was always, you know, interested in sports or girls or whatever. And then something happened in, in 2006 where I just, mm-hmm. I went all the way in and it now, yes. it's, now it's my favorite thing to do. So what was yeah. it stair-stepped or was it just like a boom moment for you?
1: Oh, it was absolute head over heels head first without looking. I was obsessed. Um, you know which is why I would spend all of my free time at the bookstore reading instead of buying the books and magazines, I would just sit there and read them. So I didn't have to pay for them, (laughs) but you know, who hasn't done that before, but you know, I would sit there with all my free time and I would study it and read it. And then when I actually became able to participate and got my, went through the hunter safety course and, you know, figured it all out, you know, I, I became completely obsessed with it, which is why 15 years later, it's still my passion. It's what I do for a living. And, You know, I've dedicated my life to making sure that, you know, for me, it's never been about, you know, oh, how much money can I make or how successful, how popular can I become? It's my goal every year is I have a certain number of days that I like to spend in the field. I love to be in the field. I love to be outside in the woods, you know, doing my thing out there, creating content, whatever it is I'm doing. I love to be working outside outside in this hunting and fishing community. That's what I love. And so, yeah, I, I would say I definitely fell head over heels in love with it. And I knew for sure that it was a lifelong um, commitment that I was making to that lifestyle.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So just a little bit like industry talk right now, like a lot of people say, Hey, I want to work in the hunting industry. And back then when you started different like i feel it's easier now than it was back then to get your foot in the door just because there's so many different ways content could be created and displayed back then it was you know it's very limited so how how did you go about making like a statement you know like i'm jules mcqueen i i deserve to be here uh yeah it was
1: different back then you know back then obviously we didn't have social media and you know you had to you had to be legitimately in it for the right reason and i always say that credibility leads to longevity Mm -hmm. um you know there were there were some people who would you know try really hard to get in it but they were doing it for the wrong reasons it wasn't credible and then you don't see them a couple of years later they're gone so if you want to if you want to get into this and be long term, you know, now today, I mean, yeah, if you have a big enough social media following, yeah, you can become popular and you can do your thing and probably get some sponsors and whatever, but the credibility has to be there right. if you want the longevity. It right. goes hand in hand. Right. Right. And, you know, back then, you know, when I say, you know, that I was working in the industry for different companies, it wasn't anything like what people are doing today as promotional stuff you know back then i would go to store openings and talk about the products and i would show how i used it in the field and you know you had to really be legitimate yeah and now i mean if you take a picture with something you can probably be on the pro staff you know what i mean (laughs) so it's a very different world
0: uh, that's funny. <laughs>
1: it's a very, it's a very, it's a very different world, you know, Right. um, than back then. And I, you know, and I still love it. I'm still, I encourage, you know, the younger generation to come in and, and do their thing and have fun with it and get out there and use the products and, you know, work with the companies and be involved in this community. I think it's fantastic. Right. Um, I always encourage that type of thing because I feel like the more people we have in this the better. It's just changed over the years. You yep. know, I've watched it for, for the last 10, 15 years, just kind of change as the times change and you have to be sure you're ahead of the curve and changing with it.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. So when I was in college and even up, you know, like five or six years after college, I used to sit in front of a TV and I don't know what it, what it was. I'm i I'm a crappy card player when it comes to poker and whatnot. But I would sit there and I would watch these these television shows of people playing like high stakes poker, right? Right. And I flip mm-hmm. I flip through your Instagram page, right? And I see a picture of you. You used to be a professional, like a professional poker player. How, so how did how Correct. did how did you go from hunting to poker and then back to hunting?
1: Yeah, it was a little break that I took, you know. And and I'm all about, um, you know mixing it up in life and taking some chances and, you know, things like that. But I'll tell you, it's not an easy conversation to have when you call your parents and say, Hey, I've decided to become a professional poker player. You know, like (laughs) that's not usually something that's encouraged. Uh, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I actually did really well with it. I, I treated it just like any other job. I kept track of my hours. I kept notes. I studied, I, you know, I mean, it was an actual legitimate job. I did have sponsors, you know, and I played the World Series four years and did well. But, you know, it's a, I always say it's a hard way to make an easy living and, you know, just not for me. So after about four years, I got out of it. But it was fun. It was a good run. You know, you have to get out while you're ahead. (laughs) But, but yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely, you know, time of my life. It was, uh, It was definitely different and interesting. And I met the coolest people. And, you know, I really treated it just like a job. I could take whatever my earnings were or whatever, you know, the debt was, I could figure out how many hours I played, do the math, and say, okay, well, this week I made X amount per hour. And then the next week, it might be totally different. And then you have to change your strategy. But, you know, we would play a lot of cash games back then. And it was the same people playing the same people all the time. So you learned this group of people you would be playing with. And, you know, then we would all go to the same tournaments and, you know, play the the big tournaments, you know, like the World Series. It's a big deal. I mean, I, I had a fantastic time. I had great sponsors. And then one day I just said, enough, you know, I'm done. I can't. I can't do it anymore. And I got out and I don't regret any of it. I think it was awesome and fantastic. And I learned a lot. And, you know, that's kind of how I live my life is if I see something that I want to do, I pretty much go do it as long as it's within reason.
0: Right. So I take it that there are some some high pressure, intense moments on the poker table. How, How did that? actually help you in high pressure, intense hunting moments?
1: Oh, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say it helped me. I think it's a personality type. I don't get stressed out about much. You know, I just am kind of a laid back person overall throughout life completely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that instead of saying that one thing changed the way I see something else, I think that I am just that way. I think that no matter what it is, what career Um, you know, or anything in my life that I take on, I handle them all the same way. So any pressure that I felt during those years in that career, um, I handle them the same way that I handle any type of pressure in this career. And, you know, just like, just like anything else in life, I think that some people handle pressure better than others.
0: Right. Yeah. I, uh, I I don't handle pressure very well, when, especially when I'm in the tree stand. Uh, I like I've had to teach myself over the years to like calm down, Dan, calm down, Dan, calm down, Dan, because like once a big buck steps out, I almost go into autopilot, right? It's, it's like oh, I almost black yeah. out, black out, and then wake up after the shot. It's like okay, I think I hit him.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I I hear that from a lot of people. It, it's funny, you know all every human process is stressed differently right you know we all we all have kind of our different ways of you know some people just stay calm until after the shot and then other people kind of freak out a little bit the only animal that i really get that way with though is turkeys if a turkey walks in i kind of freak freak out just a little bit every single time can't help it but and i mean you know any other deer elk whatever yeah i still get super excited it's still fantastic amazing but I don't ever get the nerves like I do when a Man. turkey walks in.
0: I wish yeah. I had I wish I had that. I wish I had the opposite of what you have. Because yeah. when a turkey comes in, I I don't get fired up, but when an elk or a deer comes into range, I I go I go bananas. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Hope you never lose that. That's yeah. part of it, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you spent a lot of time out on the road. Like you said, you had a lot of tags in your pocket this year. I want to talk a little bit about the logistics of what you did because there's one specific post that I I noticed on Instagram and it was, you, it looked like you're uh, cooking a pizza on a grill and on top of a car is a tent. And it said in that, you know, that you'd been on the road for over a month and a half. And I always find it interesting the logistics of these guys and gals who go out during hunting season and they're they're gone. They're away from their house for months on end chasing their yeah. rut or, you know, they have all these tags in their pockets. So mm-hmm. when it comes to that, I want to talk a little bit about how do you prepare for being gone hunting for long periods of time?
1: Well, you can't ever really fully prepare for it. Uh, You know, tip number one is have all your, you know, your tags lined up before you hit the road. I mean, there's a lot of organizational skills that come with that alone. Putting in for the tags that you want, determining the dates, the best season dates to go to which state, lining all of the the logistics up is, you know, I mean, that's a lot of work in itself. Uh, But I'm used to spending months at a time on the road. It's kind of what I've been doing throughout my career. Uh, so for me to leave and not go home for three months is not really that out of the ordinary. Um, you know, I've always kind of done that, especially creating content, you know, for the for the outdoors. It's just it it just is kind of second nature to me at this point. But this season was different. Yeah, there is. Um, there's some pictures on my social media of my my rig that I use this year. And I, I got this tent that you know, goes on top of my vehicle because I'm alone. Well, not technically I have my dog with me. (laughs) So Banjo and I hit the road, but I'm alone out there when I'm camping and, you know, there's something about camping in a tent that's on the ground versus camping in a tent that's elevated. Right. And I feel safer being up on top of the vehicle. Um, I just, for some reason feel like that's an extra layer of security. Right. And so Banjo and I just, um, Banjo and I just hit the road, find some public land or state ground campgrounds, whatever it is. And we make our way from point A to point B across the country. And And this year, so I had planned on only staying gone for a month and a half, but then I was having so much fun. I stayed for three months on the road straight without going home and just hopped around from place to place just Banjo and I and we had the time of our lives and you know I I pack as much stuff as I can into the back of the vehicle and you learn that you can live with very few things you know I really didn't take a lot with me I had all of my camo and my optics and my weapons and things like that and maybe just a couple pairs of clothes you know just a couple pairs of jeans and some t-shirts and you know I I mean you realize that you don't need a whole lot to get by
0: yeah that's crazy. So when, when you're heading out, did you already have some of these destinations like where you were going to stay picked out or, I mean, did you do a lot of winging it?
1: No, I pretty much was winging it most of the time. Uh, the first night I ever stayed in my tent, the one that's on top of the vehicle, I drove um, thinking that I could get somewhere on state property before it got dark, but it got dark. And I didn't really have a good idea of where I was. And I just pulled over and I, you know, camped out that night. When I woke up the next morning, I was 50 yards from someone's house in the middle of a ski (laughs) resort. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, I should get out of here because I don't really know if I'm on, you know, somebody's property. I'm not sure. But no, it's, it's kind of, you know, winging it most of the time. But then if I, you know, if I know in advance what area I'll be passing through, um, you know, I'll plan it out. I'll look at some different campgrounds and I do have my favorite campgrounds. I, I go back to, um, there's one just outside of Salt Lake city that I pass through pretty often. Cause that's kind of a centralized location to the places where I go. I have the same campsite at the same, you know, the same spot, same site every single time I go through. And I love it. You know, it's like going back home and you just, camp out for the night and watch the sunset and then you're out the next morning. So it's a little bit of both. Sometimes I have no idea where I'll be sleeping that night and other nights, you know, I, I kind of know exactly where I'll end up. Right.
0: So the next thing I want to talk about is like food and water. Are, are you going out to some like really remote places or do you always kind of put yourself into a position where, okay, um, I'll stop at a grocery store. I'll, I'll load my coolers up. Uh, and then I'll be gone for X number of days, and that food should get me until then I got to restock on my way out from that hunt.
1: Well, I usually have about 15 bags of Mountain House in my uh, in the back of my Jeep, gotcha. and I have a jet boil and a case of water. So you know, I mean, if I pass through a a town and I need to restock on my supplies, I just stop and get the necessities, but I can survive on very little if I have a jet boil, gotcha. you know, that's about all I need. And, you know, but I'm not saying I don't spoil myself too. I, I stop at, you know, grocery stores and, you know, get the, like, you know, if I have my, my Traeger, you know, my small Traeger with me that I can hook up to the the battery of my vehicle through an inverter, you know, I'll stop and get like a frozen pizza and put on it that night. That's awesome. It's one of my favorite things to do is just, you know, hook up my grill, make a little frozen pizza on it with a glass of wine and sit with my dog and watch the sun go down. I think, I think more people in life need to do that and the world would be a much better place.
0: Right. Okay. That's funny. You said that because was it this spring you went on a turkey hunt in Napa Valley, Right. Oh yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I took my wife uh, to Napa Valley in June of this year, and then after the fact, I saw that you went on a turkey hunt out there. Me- wish you know, mm-hmm. I, I sh- if I would have known that, I probably would have uh, scheduled the trip a little bit earlier in the season, so maybe while I was out <laughs> yeah. there, I could go turkey hunting. But I yes. want to talk to you about that specific hunt for a second, just because. Oh yeah. Just because I want to yeah, know. Yeah, I
1: actually. Yeah. It's funny. I just actually filmed um, some interviews for a film that I'm putting together on that hunt for the NWTF. So I've been working with the NWTF for years, um, you know, just kind of helping to get their message out there. And um, I booked that hunt with my good friend, RJ Waldron. He owns Northwind Outfitters out there. And I had hunted with him years ago on a totally different hunt for a TV show. And he called me up and he said, why don't you come to Napa Valley, do a turkey hunt, you know, whatever. Well, Napa has some amazing turkey hunting. I had no idea, but wow. I'll tell you what, walking through a vineyard at sunrise and the turkeys are gobbling and it's, I mean, California at that time of year is just beautiful. Wow! You know, it was one of the most memorable and beautiful turkey hunts I've ever done. And that ended up being my grand slam bird. So I, um, I shot my Rio, completed my Grand Slam, it was, you know, I got to walk through the vineyards and it was just, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that turkey hunt specifically to anybody who just wants a really memorable experience and, you know, RJ is such an awesome guy, I don't know how many people he takes every year, but if I could Absolutely, flood his business. I would. It was absolutely one of the best hunts I've been on. Right.
0: Yeah. My wine. My wife is a huge fan of wine, and I tell you what, I didn't know what it was going to be like just from a just from a, a wine perspective going out to Napa. But I'm not as much of a, a wine person as she is. But just that area is straight up gorgeous. I mean, yeah. Absolutely really gorgeous. Is,
1: yeah it really is and when you combine a gorgeous spot like that with turkey hunting how can you go wrong
0: amen right? amen right.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah i i'm i was very very pleased with that and i would love to go back and and do that hunt again year after year i highly recommend
0: it absolutely all right so kind of getting back to long periods of time on the road um you know what are some like you mentioned that it's easy for you now because you've been doing it quite a while. So for anybody, let's say there's, you know, some young people out there or some single people or or I should say people who have no you know, not a lot of responsibilities or they've right. positioned themselves in life to where they have big periods of time that they can go do that. What are some recommendations that you can te- make for them that, you know, some advice on on how to spend long periods of time on the road hunting?
1: Well, for me, it's easy because, I mean, my dog Banjo doesn't care where we go as long as he's with me, you right. know? So it's definitely easier if you don't have a spouse or human children, you know, I mean, because you start missing them after mm-hmm. a while, I'm sure. Um, but for somebody who who is able to hit the road and not have the responsibility of going back home, you know I mean I don't know if I have any good advice I think there's a certain type of person who can do really well with that and a certain type of person who wouldn't enjoy it at all right so for me you know the biggest piece of advice is um plan ahead and be safe you know as a as a female out there alone doing those things um pretty often safety first you know I've always got to think of you know how to how to be watchful and protect myself and those types of things um but for the most part, you know, common sense can solve a lot of problems. You know, just kind of thinking ahead and, and knowing what to do and what not to do. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple thing. I think that people are intrigued by my lifestyle in that way because a lot of people live vicariously through me on that part of it. You know, a lot of people wish that they could hit the road for three months and see the country and go anywhere they want and do the things but I mean, it, it does. You do have a price to pay. You miss out on a lot, you know. If you have a, you know, a boyfriend or a, you know, spouse or whoever, you miss them, you know. And you miss your friends. And I miss my house. And you know, you have to work nights and weekends if you have a job, and you can work remotely. So there's, you know, there's always a sacrifice. But for me, you know, it works out well because it's just kind of the personality that I am.
0: Absolutely. All right, so you've done a lot of hunts over the years have been a lot of crazy places what have What have been some of your most memorable hunts over the years you know you said you've been in, in the, the quote unquote industry for a long time what are, what are some hunts that have really stuck out for you over the years
1: uh, let's see one that really stands out is I mean everyone knows I'm a turkey fanatic call me crazy but um, a few years ago I went to, well, I now live in Montana, but I went to Montana before I lived there. And I did a Miriam's hunt with Jana, my best friend, and Jim, Kinsey, her boyfriend. And it was awesome, you know, just being with friends out there chasing turkeys around. And it wasn't your normal call the turkey and shoot the turkey, you know, it wasn't a simple hunt by any means. Um, It was memorable, you know, Jana's my best friend. Everyone who knows me knows that, that, you know, she's, that's my girl. And, you know, we ran around the mountains and we sat in the valleys and we tried to call them in and we went and we knocked on doors and got permission in someone's yard. You know, it was just this amazing, fun turkey hunt. And then, um, you know, I've got, I've got other other great hunts that I think about, like my first mule deer hunt, you know, a few years back in Nebraska. You know, it was hard. And, you know, people, you see a picture of a person on their social media, holding a a giant mule deer with their bow. And you're like, Oh, cool. And then you scroll to the next picture. I think sometimes we forget that's a lot of work, you know, that person really accomplished a major goal and you have to stop and, and appreciate the fact that, you know, the people put a lot of work into that. My first mule deer, um, I've got it tattooed on my right forearm. You know, I think of him every day and it's not because it was my first one. It's just because, you know, out of respect for all of the animals that we've taken, it's kind of a memento that every single one of them mean everything to us as hunters. Um, but you know, I think about that one a lot cause I mean every time I look at my arm he's right there. Yeah, it's kind of cool.
0: Cool. All right. So bucket list, right? Do you have any, uh, hunts that maybe you have planned for next year that, uh, it will be a first for you or you're in preparations for planning for maybe like one of those once in a lifetime type hunts
1: well i mean i wouldn't say that i have it planned out i'm talking to people trying to figure out my my schedule for next year and trying to get things lined up i do know i would like to do a moose hunt that's one thing i haven't done that i would really really like to do you know i i just i live vicariously vicariously through people who do that you know i just i obsess over going up and doing a a moose hunt, like a DIY thing, backcountry style. Like that's, that's definitely way up there on my list. And I can't believe after this many years, I still haven't done it. You know, I just, I think next year is going to be my year for that. And then I'll probably do some of my usual stuff. You know, I usually try to hit Idaho. Um, I try to time that so I can see the leaves changing, you know, in the fall. And that's important to me to see that every year. Um, you know, just, to, I'll probably do some of the, the same type of stuff that I that I um always do. But I would like to mix it up and put, put a couple other ones in there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I uh I'm looking at, you know, I mentioned the the bucket list here and this is in no order, but I have it I have this desk that I made out of just some scrap lumber that I have and moose, caribou I've been on an elk hunt and I've been on a mule deer hunt. I just haven't killed them yet, but moose, caribou, elk and mule deer are the top four animals on my bucket list. And I'm going to go every single year until I accomplish that goal. So I'm a, I'm going to grind.
1: Well, good for you. I think, you know, people need to make a list and stick to it. You know, you have to set goals and then reach them. And, you know, I think you have the, the right mentality there. I think a lot of people just sit and, and think about what they want to do, but they never actually go out and try to accomplish it.
0: So right. good for you. Right. So what what about that a second? Like, are you the kind of person who once you put your mind to it like you get blinders on and you just go straight forward until you you reach a goal or do you do a lot of planning and preparation and overkill that way or do you just cannonball into a, a like a, to try to accomplish a goal?
1: I would say a bit of column a a bit of column B to be honest I I'm very well you know thought out um, I think things through. I'm organized. I know exactly what my goals are and I know exactly what I have to do to accomplish them. Right. But also I know that sometimes you just have to jump in head first and get things done. So I don't sit back and and think about things too thoroughly to where I don't accomplish them. Some people I think get lost in the weeds. You know, they, they get stuck in the mud. They're thinking about what they want to do they know what they have to do to accomplish it, but they never actually do it because they're too busy thinking about it. And I think sometimes you just have to make a decision and do things and jump in. Even if it's the wrong decision, you have to make a decision. And you know that's kind of my strategy in business and in my personal life, everything I do, I think it through. Um, To other people, it may look like I make irrational decisions once in a while, but I'm very well thought out.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, if people want to find you on Instagram, where should we send them or social media?
1: My Instagram is Jules McLean, and my Facebook. I'm not on Facebook a whole lot. Am I the only one who's not on Facebook much anymore? I just, you know, I can't get, I can't get my mind wrapped around the whole Facebook thing because some of the companies I work with, are doing really good things for the world. And Facebook does not really support where yeah. I'm going with that in some ways. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, but I do I do still post some stuff on my Facebook so that people can find, you know, what I'm doing and, and things that are going on. My Facebook, I think, is under um, Julie McQueen. Gotcha. And the Q, the Q is lowercase on my Facebook. So that gotcha. confuses people sometimes. But um, Instagram is, kind of the place to, to keep up. But, um, you know what also I have a show on carbon TV and that is the best place to keep up with, you know, kind of what I'm doing. Carbon TV.com, uh, carbon TV has an app that you can download on your phone. It's free streaming video content, all about the outdoors. Um, I'm a huge fan. I've been airing my content there for a while. So season one of my show just wrapped up a little while back. It's called Outdoor Weekly. Gotcha. And it is actually the only news program in the outdoor community. So we do headlines. We do, you know, if there's changes in legislation or conservation issues going on, we cover all of that. And it's a, a news style program. So that's big. It is actually, it's actually the number one show on Carbon TV right now. It's fantastic. I think a lot of people had been waiting for us. An outdoor news program you know a lot of people want those headlines and that information and and we are going to go into season two um but carbon tv is definitely the place to find any of my content
0: right and that's a i'm glad you brought that up because that's one thing that we don't as a hunting community pay enough attention to is the legislation and laws and everything that goes into giving us the freedom to be hunters and you know fishermen and women and enjoy public lands uh so that's that's awesome that that you're doing that
1: yeah you know and I work as an ambassador for the congressional sportsman's foundation I work with the sportsman's alliance and a lot of the conservation groups like the MDF and NWTF and you know a lot of those those groups that put you know everything into making sure that we have all of our rights as hunters and outdoorsmen And so Outdoor Weekly has been um, a really good way for me to put the information out there that people might miss otherwise. You know, a lot of times we think we know what's going on, but you know, if you're not reading all the fine print, you miss things, even things that might be happening in your own backyard. And so my work with, for example, the Congressional Sportsman Foundation, they feed me information as it happens. And then I'm able to turn around and put it on my news program and say, just in case if you missed it, this is happening in this state. And, you know, a lot of people are being very, um, you know, informed through the program. We try to make it entertaining and informative. It's short form, it doesn't take long to watch it. You know, it's just a kind of a headline news program, um, but but it's fantastic. And Carbon TV is free for anyone to watch. You know, you can download it. It's, it's easy, simple, amazing. Um, I've been working with them for years and, you know, I'm really impressed at the uh, overall response to what we're doing with that program. I think it's really a game changer.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, Jules McQueen, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us today. I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule to hop on the podcast and uh, just BS with me for a while.
1: Of course. Well, I am so glad that we were able to connect. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I've, I actually listen to it pretty often. So I appreciate you taking time to to chat with me a little bit.
0: And there you have it. Another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Jules for hopping on the podcast and uh, taking time out of her busy schedule to uh, chit chat and BS with us a little bit. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who has taken time out of your day to download and listen and support and follow everything that this podcast does and the sportsman's nation, man, I really, really appreciate that. And, um, lastly, and definitely not least, thank you to everyone who donated to the QDMA, um, little, I guess, flash conservation fundraiser that we did, man. We raised just under $3,000. That was about, man, like $1,800 more than the last time we did this so the next time that I pull a stunt like this I'm expecting us to fork over even more cash and I want to get a lot more people involved and raise a lot more money not necessarily for the QDMA even though that that organization is a really kick-ass organization we might try something different next time right Uh, but because I don't want to just bring attention to one conservation organization I want to bring attention to a ton all of them as many as i can uh conservation organizations so that's why you know, that's why i do this right at some point we got to give back and i want to give back as much as humanly possible and uh, i'm going to be relying on you guys to help me do that so huge shout out to all the partners of the podcast exodus wasp Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonix, and Hunter Safety System. Guys, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because without them, this doesn't exist. So a uh, huge shout out to those guys again. And if you haven't already, please go check me out on social media, Nine Finger Chronicles on both Facebook and Instagram and Sportsman's Nation on Facebook and Instagram and all the other people who are all the other content uh, providers who do podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation. And lastly, go to Sportsman'sNation.com. That website is finished. It's up and running. It's kick ass. And there is a ton of great content on there from written to podcast to videos and uh, much, much more. So... That's it, man. You know, my season for the most part is done, but there's a chance I get out late season. And for for everyone who is still hunting or going to be hunting late season, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us to please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.